It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, the show that helps you take your next wise step in your financial life every single week. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host, one of the advisors on the show, along with my fellow financial advisors and business partners, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Yeah, today we're hitting the second stage of retirement, which we would refer to as the slow-go years. So if you are approaching retirement or already there, Today is all about helping you build a better plan as we break down the unique planning issues of this second stage of retirement. As always, folks, this is your show. Even though we're in the middle of a stage, I want your questions. I want your feedback. I want to hear what you're going through in your financial life, how we can help where you're confused or have questions or just irked about something. Reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question there on the right. It goes right to me or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, remind you two things. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook at Wise Money Radio. Content pushed out in both those venues. So, Okay, folks, if you were with us last week, uh, you know we started a new series about the different stages of retirement. The first stage we're calling the go-go years. If you missed anything, don't worry. You won't have you know lost a step. We'll be picking up uh, you know right where we left off. However, you can check out the podcast there on iTunes. Um, but it's really it's all about getting you ready to climb the mountain of retirement and travel down, which I hear is more dangerous than the climb up. A lot of people don't know exactly what they're planning for, and they prepare as if it's just a comfy stroll around the neighborhood instead of a very extensive, elaborate mountain climb and journey back down. Well, that's why you need to know the progression of the different phases of retirement that you're going to go through so you're not surprised and you're not disappointed along the way either. And, uh, you know, I, we're often reminding people that retirement is probably going to last a lot longer than you think it will. But it's not all the years, not, not all the years are going to be sunshine and roses either. Yeah. Right? I mean, there could be difficult stages ahead. You don't know how many years you're going to be able to enjoy with your spouse versus the years uh, that you're finishing out alone. Um, you, you don't know how long you're going to have good health, for example. And, uh, you know, having a game plan uh, for not just the early years of financial freedom, when it's the, the party years, the, the go-go years, as we called them last week, but also the, the wind-down phase as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the game plan for your health and, um, you know, finishing strong in retirement. Mm-hmm. That's why we're uh, giving so much attention to each one of these phases so that you understand there is a progression coming. That's right. That's right. And, okay, so folks, stage one was the go-go years, and today we're going to be tackling stage two, the slow-go years. Kevin, help us describe the slow-go years. So there's a transition from the go-go to the slow-go, and some people, the, the different stages of retirement, I would say are similar to the different stages of grief. And so some people go through every stage of grief, uh, just like it's drawn out by the folks that help with uh, these things. 
And some folks go perfectly through all the different stages of retirement, just like it's drawn out. Mm-hmm. Some people uh, skip the go-go years altogether and start in the slow-go years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really depends. I think the when I think of the go-go years, I think that's when I'm as active as I can possibly be doing the things that I've always wanted to do. But again, there, there's a limit to how much you can do that. It's like eating dessert, right? You can only eat so much dessert before. The, you, you eat dessert first. I do. Uh, we've had a lot of meals together. And, I do. Uh, that stands out to me. Yep. It's uh, it, it. You couldn't tell by looking, but it is my favorite part <laughs> of the meal. <laughs> num num. So when you think about the slow go years, you're. It's likely that you're coming off of the go go years, and that I'll tell you what it sounds like when I'm sitting in an office with some friends uh, who are clients. They come in and they say, "Hey, you know what? We're probably not going back to Florida this year. Uh, we've gone to Florida every year for the last fifteen years, but." Um, there have been some changes, and typically those changes are either um, family changes or something going on in their family. There's something going on with their health. He's going to do a knee replacement, and she needs to get her hip replaced or her shoulder rebuilt or something happening, and it's kind of lost its luster. The, the hey, let's gear up, let's go do all these great things and play shuffleboard and, and uh be, be at Golden Corral uh, for 130 when the when the good deals start or, or whatever it is. Um, so it, things that they always thought would be important to them and they'd want to do, they start losing their luster and they say, you know, we, we're just not going to do that anymore. Life's a little bit simpler That's where right. if, if go-go is all about being active, slow-go is kind of a downshift. That's right. Well, you know, I would say that the go-go years are when you have time, you have money, and you have energy, mm. right? And the slow-go years, are, are you, you start to experience all three of those begin to wane at some, at some point. And, you know, as Kevin has alluded to, the things that were once really important to you, maybe they, they have uh, lost a little bit of their luster. You've already experienced Florida and you've had enough of that. So um, maybe being a snowbird is no longer all that desirable. You'd just rather pick one spot, whether that's here in the Midwest or down there in the warmer weather. And you just stick with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even your desire or your vision for, um, say, travel, maybe that one also evolves as you go through retirement. It used to be that maybe you were excited about getting out and seeing other cultures around the, the world, seeing other countries. Now maybe you're content to just see another culture here in the U.S., like Kentucky or California, right? Um, that was a joke, by okay. the way. Like, <laughs> you're like, you're just offended a bunch of people. <laughs> Casey, how far does the uh, radio station signal? I'm headed, <laughs> I'm headed for my safe space right now. No, but, it, you know, it may not be about traveling and going lots of places. Maybe it's more about, uh, you know, renting a houseboat and or a, a mountain lodge or something and just having the whole family together. Mm-hmm. It's more about uh, those shared memories as opposed to, the experiences in life. And, and that's often just driven because you start the process of looking backwards more as yep. opposed to, you know, there's, there's less horizon out there. There's less time to be looking forward to. So you're starting to be more preoccupied with how does my life have more significance as opposed to just great experiences. 
Yeah, so let me ask you guys this, and Kevin, you you teed this up. Not everyone goes through these stages perfectly. Some people do, but not everyone. Uh, if you're listening, how can we set expectations as far as when does slow go years typically typically start? I, I have a take on this, but curious what what you guys see. I have a great friend and uh, client who retired in the early 60s, and he said, listen, my observation is, by the time you hit 75, you just start preparing to die. Mm-hmm. So that sounds ominous. I know. Well, and you know, my dad um, is 76, I think, and he just did the Great Loop, took a boat all the way from Lake Michigan down to Florida and back up. So it, it when it, that doesn't mean when you're 75, you've got one foot in the grave and another on a banana peel, and you are. Uh, nearly dead, but there is a point in time where you, where you shift gears, and I do think, you know, as I'm thinking about this, it's quite often brought on by a health by health change. Type. Yeah, but I yeah, agree. But what happens is there is there's some pretty amazing changes that happen at this phase. So I think somewhere 75 to 85. I mean, I I I've known folks that were still working at 80. Yeah, and and being very. Uh, productive and contributing. So I don't. I think I don't think the the actual age is as important. It's just when when have I done all the things that I want to do, and now I'm going to settle into a routine that's that's fairly uneventful. Well, and you said that health could be the catalyst that causes that change to begin. For some people, it is financial as well. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they didn't plan ahead for the effects of inflation, but now they're. 15, 20 years deep into retirement, and they are feeling how life has gotten more expensive. So they've had to say no to more things. And maybe it's not hard for them to say no because they also don't have the health or the energy to keep uh, doing that active lifestyle. But, um, you know, by this point in the game, you know, the, the later years of retirement, you can look back and see just how impactful inflation can be. Well, that's interesting because if you if you listen for the first eight minutes of the show, you might have heard, well, yeah, at this stage of retirement, you're pulling back. It's getting easier financially, but not so, folks. There are some very key areas of your financial life that are critically important at this stage of the game. We're going to break those down and let you know what you need to know and how you can prepare for those best. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Forhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, we're so glad to have you with us today, folks. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn in the studio with me. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern and Keene and First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. We are sandwiched in the middle of a three-part series on the different stages of retirement. Last week was all about the go-go years. It was fun. If you missed it, check out the podcast. Uh, We're starting with the slow-go years today and how that changes. And we're just about to unpack the most important areas of your financial life that are even more important at this stage that you need to be aware of. If you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. Okay, so... 
let's let's start getting into the actual planning for this and getting ready for the slow go stage of retirement. Kevin, what would you say is the most important area of someone's financial plan or one of the most important areas as they're in the slow go phase of retirement? Well, certainly tax planning is one of the most important areas. And when I say tax planning, a lot of times people hear tax preparation. And I would say, no, not tax preparation. Tax preparation is looking back, making sure you're in compliance and you got the right number in the right box. But tax planning is looking at what opportunities are available to you or what are your responsibilities and what do you need to be doing to be in compliance. So one of the things that likely you need to be doing, once you hit 70 and a half, you need to take what's called a required minimum distribution. From all your pre-tax qualified IRA dollar. I'm trying not to use jargon here. Looking at the jargon police, Joshua Gregory over there. I'm watching you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But so you don't have to take RMD from a Roth IRA. You don't need to take it from your bank account. You don't need to take it from uh, any joint accounts, but pre-tax 401k or IRA dollars at age 70 and a half, government says you got to take out a certain amount. Yep. Yep. Think about these dollars that you've never paid taxes on. The government says, Hey, you need to start paying taxes. And the way that that works is you take all of these dollars that you've never paid taxes on and there's a divisor based on your life expectancy. So just to keep it simple, once you hit 70 and a half, think somewhere in the four to 5% of your retirement plan assets. So if you got a hundred grand, you, you probably have to take four to 5,000 out of it. If you've got 500 grand, you 20 to 25,000, but your tax planner should be helping you with this and helping you decide what is the right amount because you can take more than that. You don't have, you don't have to limit yourself to that. Some folks who are living off their investments are satisfying the requirement of distribution. They don't need to do anything differently. Right. They're, they're in compliance. In other words, yes, they're doing that minimum amount, but I'm glad that you hit um, taking more because that's where you could shift from just being in compliance with the laws. The laws say you have to do this and they, slap you with a nasty penalty if you don't. Huge penalty, guys. Yep, 50% penalty. Of what you should have taken. So if Ouch. your required minimum distribution was twenty five grand, the penalty, if you'd failed to take it, 12500 That's right. But, again, that's just to do the minimum that they make you do. What if you should do more? And that's kind of the question that you were alluding to. This is where it becomes not tax compliance but tax planning, being proactive. And in your slow-go years of retirement, as life is kind of winding down, maybe you don't need to pull a lot of dollars out of your IRAs to, to live the lifestyle that you want anymore. Um, so you do the bare minimum. But what if that leaves you paying less tax than you should be? And that might sound as crazy as, as we could be when it comes to tax planning, because why wouldn't you want to pay as little as possible? We want you to pay as little as possible over your whole lifetime and over your kids' and grandkids' lifetimes. This is where you need to take a multi-generational approach to deciding what is the right action, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because if you pay zero in taxes, you might define that as a win, but you could actually be setting up your family to pay much more tax someday if they inherit these dollars from you. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, and I'll give you a good example of that. Um, there were some folks that came in and they weren't paying any taxes at all, Didn't weren't even required to file a tax return. And their question was, what do we do with this pesky IRA? It was an investment that the value went to zero, but we're still getting charged some sort of 
custodial fee by the custodian that's holding this worthless investment. And we just want to get this pox off of us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was curious and I asked a few questions. So they're not filing a tax return, but he had a considerable amount of IRA money and she did as well. Outside of the kind of worthless yes. security. In addition to that, they had a big IRA. Yeah. So, so they, well, they each had decent sized IRAs. They were doing their required minimum distribution, so they were in compliance, but they weren't filing a tax return and they were paying no taxes. And so I, I sat down with them and I said, look, do your kids pay taxes? And yes, their kids pay taxes. And so I said, look, there's, there's an amount of money that you could draw from the IRA and pay zero taxes. And then if we were going to max out the 10% tax bracket for a couple, a married couple, you take about another 18000 So in this, in this situation, they could pull about $28,000 out of their IRAs and pay a very, very, very small tax bill, especially relative to what their kids would pay. Right. So you're comparing if, if this client pulls the money out, they pay a little bit, but, you know, presumably the, the kids are still in their working career, so they're in a higher tax bracket. And if that same income was inherited to them, that same IRA, they're going to be throwing that on top of their salaries and, and wages and things, and maybe even jumping into a higher tax bracket yet. Yeah, so that, so this is something to be listening for. If your parents talk about, hey, we're not paying taxes, we're not filing a tax return, but we still have IRA money, you want to get them to a certified financial planner to do some tax planning and see if there's an opportunity there for them to pay very little on the money that then would come to you completely tax-free someday when you might inherit and, it. And here's why I would second your suggestion that they go see a certified financial planner. There's two huge mistakes that someone could make in this endeavor. First is they could, you could choose to convert your RMD into your Roth. Uh-uh, folks, do that. that is a no-no. Seems logical, right? The government's forcing me to take this money out, so I have to pay tax on it. I would do that in a Roth conversion. There we go. No, IRS doesn't let you do that. Second really big mistake I see people make is they don't factor in when Social Security becomes taxable. And so they yeah. just take a big chunk out of the IRA. Oh, I'm fine. I've never had to pay tax on my Social Security. Well, guess what? If you take a large enough chunk out of your IRA, you will. You will, and you start creating $2 worth of tax for every dollar for every dollar you took out of your IRA, watch out. It can be done, folks, but be careful. Well, and it can be done well if you do it in the context of a tax projection. Yes. This time of year, you know, we spend all day, every day talking to people about taxes. It's the fall right now. We're coming into the end of the year and we're already talking about taxes because now is when you can take advantage of the type of tax picture that Kevin's been describing. Once uh, the the clock strikes midnight on December 31st, the opportunity is gone for this calendar year. So now is the time to be running those proactive projections to say, what is your tax picture going to look like if you do nothing? What will it look like if you take some of this proactive um, action? Don't turn into a pumpkin. Cinderella reference, you guys. I've got a young yeah, daughter. Yeah. Disney on the brain. Supermoon. Okay. Hey, when I think of what are the supermoon, is that what you did in college? <laughs> <laughs> when I think of the major financial planning areas that you need to have heightened awareness on as you enter the slow go years, uh, we're going to take this in two parts here. But I, I, tax planning, you're right, but I think protection planning as well. 
Mm. When I heard you explain the Slogo years of retirement, again, I'm thinking, oh, good, my financial life takes a little break. I'm not spending as much. I'm not going on as many vacations and so on. So I don't need to spend as much money. Studies have shown that, yes, your lifestyle does tend to go down, but the amount you spend on health care or health insurance tends to fill that gap, folks, and even more so. Yep. So I'd, I'd point you to two things, and, and we're going we're gonna to peel back this onion a little bit. But one, make sure you're factoring that into your retirement plan. When you're building your retirement plan, do you factor in your health care premiums and expenses? You should, because they're going to inflate at a higher level. And then second, are you factoring in that your expenses, that your lifestyle will go down? Or are you keeping it the same during the slow go years? Because I would argue you should you should keep it the same. So uh, I know I've just introduced that concept, but we've got a lot to unpack there. We're going to do that as well as mistakes and then listener questions. We've got a couple good ones still around the theme of tax planning. So we've got uh, we've got a couple good ones. One from Steve coming up here in just a bit. So uh, all that and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. New Stock 95.3 Mission News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, folks. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin. They're laughing at me right now because I slurred my words. I'm going to call that supermoon again. All right. <laughs> there you go. It. I'll blame it there. 22,000 miles closer to the earth than normal. Almost like you could touch it. Hey, thanks to Bethel College of Dalton Graduate Studies, as well as mm-hmm. Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Today, we've been talking about the second stage of retirement, the slow-go years, so that you can prepare better for your retirement. It's all about helping you get ready and have a better retirement, folks. If you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, check us out on Facebook, at Wise Money Radio on Facebook. Okay. Um, so I introduced right before the, the segment break there, uh, that protection planning is a very, very crucial, in my opinion, probably the most crucial area of your financial life in the slow go years. Well, it's, it's important because as you get further into retirement, your healthcare costs and and needs are going to become a bigger and bigger deal, Right. And protection planning is one of the ways that you account for that in your in your financial plan. This is also one of the places where you can make some big mistakes regarding retirement. And strangely, the mistake is actually made maybe years before retirement or right at the eve of retirement when you're setting up your uh, the, the types of protection or, or insurance that you're going to need. For example, uh, when you retire at age 65, you have to make a choice about what kind of Medicare you're going to put in place, what kind of Medicare supplement, or you're going to go with a Medicare Advantage plan. If all of that sounds like foreign language to you, then maybe you need to check out uh, our episode that we had earlier this season on this very topic. But how you structure that insurance is going to leave you either very exposed or maybe well protected from the healthcare costs that you could start experiencing a lot more during the slow go years. And one thing people don't remember that we hit in this episode, people don't think that every year 
you need to be sitting down with your Medicare and health insurance expert to make sure that the plan that you're on covers the best way, the prescriptions and the care that you need. Your healthcare is going to evolve as right. time goes on. Uh, I'm still pretty young, but my health has evolved. Kevin and I were just talking about it this morning about the right concoction of uh, issues that I have and how to solve them. I'm getting older, folks. We all are. And in retirement, this stage of retirement, a lot of times it's kicked off. The slow go is kicked off by changes to your health. You'll want to make sure that you're sitting down with your Medicare and health insurance expert each year to make sure as you get new prescriptions or prescriptions change and plans change that right. you still have the right sort of coverage. One type of protection or insurance, though, that you need to make an early decision on long before you'll need it is long-term care, mm -hmm. long-term care insurance. This is protection that helps pay for the extra care that you may need starting in these slow-go years or even towards the end of, of retirement where you know maybe, maybe you're not able to function independently like you always used to back when life was a party and you were enjoying the, the, the fun and freedom of the early days of, of retirement. As you start to lose some of that independence and you need help, uh, you know, um, getting dressed in the morning or, or getting meals prepared, um, just uh, getting out, out and about, uh, mm -hmm. maybe you need someone to drive you places, um, that can progress to a, a level where you actually need more skilled care, actual nursing care. And this is one of those major risks to your retirement. If, if we think of the big financial risks, a catastrophic expense in retirement is the need for long-term care. And I would argue one of the biggest mistakes people make in their financial life for, for this stage is that they haven't really developed a plan or gotten insurance protection in place. Yeah, well, when you think of the things that could blow a hole in your retirement plan and you say, what, what are the risks that I'm facing? This is one of, one of the real bigger ones. And most people don't spend a lot of time thinking about that and planning for that. But I would want to encourage folks to consider this and say, what can I do? Do I live with the risk or do I transfer the risk? And transferring the risk can have all different types. There's, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, getting money out of your name into your beneficiary's name, that can be a way to do it. A lot of times, folks don't like to give up the control. Well, I was going to say that, and that also may help with the risk of you needing to go on Medicaid, but it creates a lot of risks. Right? Absolutely. What if you gift the money to a family member who then gets sued? Well, or divorced. Or divorced. Uh, so, it, yeah. Or they themselves <laughs> land in uh, some you know, uh, medical illness where they're going to need long-term care yep. before you. Yep. So there's so there's other ways to do it. There's long-term care insurance in Indiana. There's a there's a partnership policy that is fantastic, and there's a way to get total asset protection if you're looking at something like that. There are life insurance policies that have long-term care riders on them. There are um, annuities that have a an income doubler if you need some sort of a care. So there are products that are built and designed by the insurance industry to deal, to help you deal with long-term care if that's the way you want to, you want to transfer the risk by writing a check on a monthly or annual basis. But, but what a great example though of a, a topic that you need to have on your radar screen before you've even reached retirement.
right? I mean, you need to be making a decision on long-term care insurance while you're in maybe your mid to late 50s even. That's, that's not necessarily too early. So, so here's some advice. As you're thinking about, how am I going to care for mom and dad? You need to be deciding how people are going to care for you. Mm-hmm. That's well said. So, um, because the earlier you plan for this, the more options you have. And part of financial freedom to me is having a bunch of options. Okay, I want to ask you guys' advice. So, you're approaching the slow-go years. You're, maybe you're in, the, you're in the go-go years, and you're approaching, you're seeing the slow-go years on the horizon. What's one piece of advice that you tell that person? You know, I, I think one area of your financial plan that's going to need to be um, not only sorted out, but then maybe revisited as you get further into retirement, as you approach the slow-go years, is your own estate planning. Absolutely. And, and I might even rephrase that and talk about wealth transfer. Um, you know, wealth transfer is where you really are focusing on your beneficiaries or your heirs, what is best for them. And um, there, there's a principle here that I, I heard recently someone say that um, you should never transfer wealth until you have first transferred wisdom. Oh, I love it. You need to make sure that the the people you're choosing to steward the dollars that are left over at the end of your retirement are the right people and that they're ready for it. Are they prepared? Mm-hmm. And part of your job in the slow-go years, as you are becoming more reflective in life and are looking backwards and you are trying to invest in the next generation, is to invest in them in a way that gets them prepared to take over the job that you have had of caring for these dollars during your retirement. Hey, one option, download season one of Wise Money. It makes a great stocking stuffer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <a> good idea. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do think, actually, I was going to say the same thing, Joshua, your estate plan. So it is amazing to me. We'll meet with folks and we say, hey, how's your estate plan? And they say, hey, we don't have one. So you say, hey, let's, get, let's build one. Let's, we can help you. Let's work together. Let's get one built. And sometimes I think the issue with building an estate plan is dealing with the fact that someday I will die. Someday I will not be on this earth. So some, sometimes it can be difficult to build an estate plan. And I meet with lots of folks and they say, yeah, well, you know, we did one right before we went to Hawaii, you know, 35 years ago, and uh, we we have our uncle taking care of the kids. The kids have been out of the house for 15 years, and the uncle's dead. And so you say, well, hey, your adult children now can be moved into some of these positions of responsibility as far as the successor trustee or the co-executor or go on down the line. And I say, now is the time. Fix the roof while the sun is shining and get that estate planning done. I would tack on pre-planning your funeral at this stage as well. You've probably been thinking about it, but as you look at your overall estate plan, I'd consider that. So, Hey, folks, uh, coming up, we're going to distill it down to the main action item and takeaway that you needed to get from the slow-go discussion. We've got a great great question from Steve uh, dealing with tax plan, dealing with being in the slow-go years himself. So that and more coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike Bernard with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory in the MNC studios. If you've missed anything, we've been talking about the second stage of retirement, the SLOGO years. Uh, check out previous episodes and list your own question, provide your own question at wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. So we've got a great question from Steve coming up here, but we've spent the first chunk of the show talking about the slow go years. Talked about a lot. Let's distill it down to the one key takeaway you need to have. Well, the thing that stood out to me from our discussion, and I didn't actually expect this as we were preparing for the show, but... Um, we kind of came to the conclusion over and over that much of the planning that you need to do to prepare for the slow-go years, it's planning that you should be doing maybe even before retirement or at right at the edge of retirement, long before you get to this point in life. Um, so if you need, uh, maybe your action is to, to have a conversation with a tax planner, someone who can help you figure out what's the right amount of taxes to be paying now so that your whole family pays less over not only your lifetime, but uh, the generations that follow. Maybe you need to be setting up a meeting while there's still time yet this year to have a conversation about your Medicare insurance that you have in place. Um, Maybe the next conversation for you is an estate plan um, update. Do you have things like a power of attorney or a healthcare representative selected for the years that are eventually going to get here when you need help managing your own affairs. Mm -hmm. The point here and the point on every single show every Saturday morning is plan ahead, right? Don't let that secret out. Oh, no, they'll never have to listen again, right? (laughs) (laughs) Plan ahead, people. Except for the jokes. But you're right. And uh, retirement is climbing a mountain and getting back down. It is not just a casual stroll around the neighborhood in the afternoon. Well, retirement is the getting back down part. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The whole preparation is all the way up. Yep. And then when you're done working, it's climbing down. And it's eight times harder to climb down a mountain than it is to climb up. And this is why we're talking about this series, specifically the slow go year, so that you know what's on the other side of that mountain. And so that you can prepare appropriately for the trek up so that you can make that journey down as, uh, you know, as good as possible. So, yep. Okay, great question from Steve coming up in just a minute. We're going to take Mike's question first. Why? My name's Mike. So, Mike, <laughs> age 38, from New Carlisle. I've been hoping to refinance my mortgage with rates still very low, uh, but likely on the rise. Yeah, rates could be on the rise. Uh, I think I'm close to having 20% of equity, and it would be nice to get rid of my PMI, that's private mortgage insurance, folks. Do you think I should put money from my savings account onto my mortgage in this process to ensure that I avoid PMI? Ah. Interesting. Okay. So, so just to provide some context here, folks. So the bank is going to charge you a surcharge. Think of it. Extra money each month that just lines their pocketbook for taking on the risk of your loan if you don't have at least 20% equity. 
So a lot of times people don't have 20% to book down on their first house. And so you're likely paying PMI, but it's an extra 100, 150, 50 bucks every single month. That's a ton folks. And it's not helping you pay down your mortgage. It's not going to, to pay your property taxes, your insurance. It's just going to the bank for taking you on as a risk. I love the idea of getting rid of PMI. And I'd encourage any of you who have the goal of buying your first house to get diligent and urgent about saving up 20%. But in Mike's case here, what's your guys' take? Well, I, well, I would say, Mike, don't spare the horses. If you're thinking about doing a refinance, get that done as quickly as possible. I'm, I'm not great at prognosticating, but if you look at rates today on a 30-year mortgage, you're looking at about four and a quarter, and it wasn't too long ago. We were talking about three and a half. Mm-hmm. So about 75 basis points swing already, and I think that swing is going to keep swinging if uh, if the trend that seems to be um, developing continues. Some of that spikes kind of happen with the Trump reaction. So stock market didn't plummet the way everyone expected, but interest rates have moved, um, at least what I've what I've seen. So who knows if that will calm if the Federal Reserve changes their approach towards interest rates. But there's a fundamental, there's kind of a principle here. And, and, and Josh, I want to hear your answer too, but mine, mine is, do you have the right amount in your savings account? Is yeah. it a true emergency to avoid PMI? And uh, I would hope that you've got dollars set aside for an emergency. And if you've got excess, by all means, put them down. But I'm, I'm skittish of robbing the emergency fund just to avoid PMI. Well, and not just the emergency fund, but also the other dollars that you've built up in savings for other short-term needs or um, just uh, other known expenses that are going to come around eventually. If it's a genuine need, um, I I wouldn't necessarily raid the cash. If it is maybe cash that you built up for some fun uh, expense out on the horizon, then maybe you can postpone that. But you know, you mentioned how a lot of people don't have 20% to put down on their mortgage. And if they don't have enough for that size down payment, then I also wonder, do they have enough money for the inevitable home repairs that are going to pop up? Mm-hmm. Or are, are you setting yourself up to have what feel like emergencies, which are really just a, a financial crisis that has happened because you didn't build up the savings for stuff that every homeowner just needs to be prepared for. The water heater is going to go out. You're going to need to fix the roof at some point, that kind of thing. But if you if you are clear, Mike, that you have extra, I like the idea of paying extra at closing um, to get that mortgage down at or below the 80% level. 80% loan compared to the value. So right. therefore having 20% equity. Yep. So whatever that appraisal uh, came in at, uh, don't borrow more than 80% if, um, if you can avoid it. One way to make sure that you maintain a good safety net, though, would be to put a home equity line of credit in place on top of this first mortgage. You know, what if you could go borrow another ten or $15,000 on a home equity line? This is some liquid cash that you could pull back out of the house if you were pretty aggressive and you were paying down on the mortgage um, more rapidly to avoid that private mortgage insurance. Yeah, that you know that's risky. I'd I'd be be careful of that. I, I think if you've got the emergency fund funded and you've got other dollars set aside for um, optional things, I'd use those dollars to 
And and I would take the principle away, folks, if you're trying to build up uh, money to buy your first house, avoid PMI, be disciplined, and so on. Okay, Steve's question. He's 70 from Mishawaka. My wife and I both turned 70 and a half this year, and we need to start taking our required minimum distribution from our retirement accounts. Hey, fits right into today's show. Mine is mostly still in my old 401k where I used to work. How should I go about taking my RMD? So, okay, so required minimum distributions often called RMD. So just FYI, uh, the 401k likely has rules that when you withdraw money, it's going to have a mandatory amount that you have to withhold for taxes. Now that may not be, it's typically 20, it's typically 20% for federal taxes that they have to withhold. You might be in the 10% tax bracket or not have any tax, but they're forcing you to withhold 20%. I hate that option. So there's no way really around the required minimum distribution, but I think Steve, the first step would be to roll over that old 401k into an IRA so you have more flexibility. Yep. I actually have an example of this from this past week. Uh, met with a couple who, uh, prior to coming in for their, their meeting and getting to know us, they made the choice to pull that required amount out of a retirement plan at work, withheld 20% as required by law, and um, that was all for federal taxes. It was 20% more than they needed to because of the tax bracket they, they were in, and nothing was withheld for the state. So we ran a tax projection to help them see what's this year going to look like before we get to the end of the year and realize they are literally going to have thousands of dollars coming back to them in a refund from the Fed, but they're going to owe over $1,000 to the state. It's unnecessary. That's right. I mean, you can sort it out at tax time, but it's unnecessary. Don't, 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 don't do it if you can avoid it. Well, and in the meantime, they're starting to deplete their bank account balances so they're going to have to wait until April to get that replenishment. And as you said, it's all unnecessary if you're using an IRA instead of those retirement plans at work. Yep. Steve, I would tell you, roll that 401k into an IRA. The main reason is control. And for some reason, if you don't take our advice, check on your beneficiaries. If it's your first wife, if it's if if the, the kids aren't around anymore, this is where you want to make sure you're, you're staying up on this stuff. That's it, folks. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corner, and myself, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on Newstock 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.